Is it? You're the one who does the intro. Is it time? Yes. All right. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're talking about reading routines and how reading fits into our daily lives. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. This episode is sponsored by Libro FM, the audiobook company that supports local bookstores. Listeners of He Read, She Read can get three months of Libro FM for the price of one with the promo code HRSR. Just visit Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot FM and enter the promo code HRSR or go through the link in our show notes. We're excited to partner with Libro and support local bookstores across the U.S., but we'll share more on their mission later. All right, let's get into our episode. We have some questions from listeners about our reading routines. So I posed this on Instagram and I'm a really nosy person. I like to know what people's daily routines are like, how they read, how they live, what their houses are decorated like. I swear I'm not a stalker. I'm just nosy. More just pictures <laughs> of bookshelves and how they have all their things arranged. Oh, yeah. That's fun, too. Organization. But I thought, well, if I'm nosy about that, maybe our listeners are nosy to kind of figure out what our daily reading life is like. So they asked us a bunch of questions that we'll answer. And the first one is... Who is more likely to binge read a book and what is the last book you binge read? I feel like you're more likely to binge read a book because the books that I read are not bingeable. Some of the books you read are. Any book could be bingeable in theory. Right, but I'm not going to binge read a thousand page biography. (laughs) And even my fantasy books, I need to take like little chunks of them and finish them out. So I'm, I'm not really a binge reading person. I think the last one I binge read was uh, Dark Matter when you finished it and handed it over and I read it in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I'm not very much of a binge reader. I, I am. I love if I can read a book in a day. I just read Tuck Everlasting in like two hours, but I don't even know if that counts as a binge read because it's a kid's book. And I feel like it could take any anyone two hours to read, even if they're not into the book. I still think it counts because you did it. Yeah. But binge reading to me is like, just like with a show, you keep watching the episodes because you're propelled by it and you want to find out what happens next. And so binge reading is like you're turning the pages and you can't stop because you're so invested in the book. At least that's an ideal situation. Yeah. I'm not really like that. Just mainly because I read so many things at the same time that I'll get to a point like 100 or 200 pages into a session and I have to switch to a different book if I'm going to keep reading. Sure. Yeah, Tuck Everlasting I read in a sitting. The last romance book that I read, 99% Mine by Sally Thorne. That was cute. I think I read that in maybe three sittings. So I don't know. It depends how you define binge read, but I'm definitely more of that kind of a reader Mm -hmm. than you are. Agreed. But there's no right way to do it, which is, I hope, what we show by answering these questions. Are you more of a morning reader or a nighttime reader? There were like four people who wanted to know this. Weekend mornings are a big time when I'll read like three hours in a row, like right when I wake up. Um, So on the weekends, I'll wake up 
early-ish for normal people, but for me it's sleeping in, so like at 8 o'clock or 7.30, and then I'll just pick up a book and read for like two, three hours. Um, and then otherwise during the week it has to be at night because I'm up in the morning doing PT at like 5 o'clock. So mm-hmm. I, I don't read in the mornings uh, during the week. What about you? I When I was teaching, definitely night. And then now that I'm working from home, I do make a point to read for about an hour in the morning when I wake up. So I get up maybe at like seven on a good day when I don't have a cold like this week (laughs) Um, and make myself a cup of tea and read until I'm done with my cup of tea or until I'm done with maybe a full essay or a couple of chapters. And then I go about my day and get stuff done. And then I usually try and read again at night. So I'm both, but it's a new thing for me to read in the morning and I really like it. But I noticed that I lean more towards nonfiction in the morning and then fiction at night. Have you thought about why that is? Well, I'm not a morning person, but I do notice that I'm maybe more focused in the morning. So that it would make sense that you're gravitating towards something that would require a little bit more attention? Yeah, or I I guess maybe also I really like to feel accomplished at the end of the day and reading fiction feels like relaxation for me, but reading nonfiction feels like an accomplishment to me. I learned something, I did something, it's almost like checking something off of my list more so. If I was reading fiction in the morning, unless it was maybe for a specific purpose, that had to do with work, I I think I would feel more like it was a luxury. Mm-hmm. But with nonfiction, I feel like I'm doing something with that time. Makes sense. And that's kind of like a way to kickstart your day in the morning with a tea and then get your brain mentally stimulated. Yeah, I think so. You want to read the next question? Sure. Uh, the next one is reading at work on lunch or other breaks. I do have a book in my backpack that I have at work, but it's a rarity that I'll actually break it out. Um, cause even during breaks, it's only like five, 10 minutes. Um, and then during lunch, I'm either reading or working on projects and stuff like that. So it's probably like two days a week that that actually works. Um, but I do carry a book in my backpack just in case I do have time when I'm mm-hmm. at work. I'm reading catch 22 right now. And so, like at work, um, I stick to either like a military book or some type of well-known fiction, um, and something that I try to find on the required reading list Mm -hmm. just so I'm not caught with like a fantasy book at work. Well, I guess part of that is like it looks professional, but also it sparks conversations with your colleagues and people who notice you reading. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. It's already happened where I'll be reading a book and then people will look at it and decide that they want to read it too. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to make some recommendations in person. True. Now, like I said, now that I'm working from home, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, (laughs) you have lots of breaks. There there was no such thing as a lunch break when I was teaching. It was, let me eat this sandwich while I do 500 other things. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I would say I listen to an audiobook usually while I make lunch, eat lunch, and then clean the kitchen in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. So audiobooks tend to be my go-to for a lunch break. A couple people were wondering if we schedule reading time or if it's just a spontaneous thing that happens. Hmm. Um, I think it's just kind of a reflex option for us. Like for me in on the weekends when I wake up on Saturdays, I want to start reading because it's 
you know, a routine where like I grab some tea and mm-hmm. go down to my spot, which we'll talk later about reading spots. But, um, and that's kind of part of it. So it isn't like a schedule. It's just kind of like something that I'm comfortable with in a way that I like to start my days off at night. I don't schedule a time. It's kind of like, if I'm feeling like it, that's more of a spontaneous thing. So during the week, it's more of, if I feel like it, I'll grab a book and at whatever time I'm feeling like it, but on the weekends, it's more regimented. Yeah. To me, having a routine feels a little bit different than a schedule. Yeah. It's not like I say from 8.30 to 9, I'm going to read, but my reading routine is that I try and read something in the morning or that I try and get an audiobook in if I'm doing tasks that I can listen to an audiobook while completing. And I like to read a little bit at night, even if it's only for 30 minutes, but I don't set off like a block of time. And some days I just don't read at all. Mm -hmm. So I I like it that way better rather than trying to block off a specific segment of time because that's kind of more, I don't know, to me, that's putting too much pressure on it and then making it so it's not really fun. There are some days where we're like, you know what? We really just want to read tonight. Let's not watch TV. Let's read our books instead. There are some days where I really like a book, so I'll try and plan my day around more reading time. But yeah, I guess, like you said, it's more of like a default practice. It's what we like to do. So if we're not doing anything else, it's kind of what we reach for. Yeah, as opposed to being very regimented with it. Yeah. When I was in the classroom over the last two years, I implemented silent reading time on Fridays for all of my classes. And that helped. I actually, so sometimes I would use that time to grade quizzes or papers or something like that. But I noticed that my students read a lot better if I was walking around and reading with them. It's just modeling. I actually would read almost all day every Friday when I was teaching. Which sounds like a dream to a lot of people, but it meant that the rest of the week I was putting in a lot of work and really pushing the kids in order to get everything done so that we could have reading time on Friday. But it made a world of difference. My week went so much better knowing that on Friday we would get to read. Because it's hard to teach when you're an introvert, I think. For for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a, I was a better teacher in person for it and a lot of the kids actually ended up really looking forward to it so there is something to be said for a comforting routine Mm -hmm. in general agreed uh this next person wants to know what penny does while we're reading (laughs) nice to know that penny's the true hero we know she's the star yeah she she knows it too is the problem um in the mornings when we're in bed and still reading and then at night she is sleeping most of the time. She's super snuggly, so yeah. she likes to be all cuddled up by us. But there are times during the day where if we're downstairs or, or like if she hasn't gotten a walk, she'll grab a toy and like plop it down on like right where you're at and then t- Or like today, since we both had today off, she was running upstairs and stealing socks and then running around the whole house because she was not happy that the attention was on books instead of her. Yeah. But so it's was, really one of two extremes. Yeah, it's either he, she's like super snoozy and snuggly or running around like crazy. Wanting all the attention. Next question. Do we read via audiobooks, 
e-readers or physical books? So I used to be a only a physical books snob, and then we've kind of discussed this on the podcast where I have developed into liking audiobooks more, and I only read electronically out of necessity. So I had some books on a tablet when I was deployed that made it easier um, versus packing a bunch of books, and I just have some of my textbooks on a tablet now that I started grad school, but it's not my preferred method. I still prefer having a physical book um, and then audio if I'm doing other tasks like doing laundry or the kitchen and or driving, but I'm still mainly a physical books person. Yeah, I have yet to become accustomed with e-reading. I don't read on my phone unless it's an article and I don't have like a Kindle or anything like that. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not like morally opposed to it. I used to be morally opposed to it. <laughs> That's why I said snob, but I do I do like the physical act of turning pages, but I really, really love audiobooks. And I feel like over the last three years with you being deployed really often, I got super hooked on audiobooks and podcasts because then when I was home by myself, I always had someone talking to me, basically. But if I'm, like you said, doing laundry, doing dishes, doing just a task that doesn't require me to pay a lot of attention, I love having audiobooks. So I would I would say, what's my breakdown? I'm almost 50-50 for audiobooks and physical books. Really? Yeah, I, I would say maybe it's more like 60 physical, 40 audiobooks. Some some months, depending on what I'm doing, I can get through four or five audiobooks. But I listen on 1.5 speed, too. Which is a pro tip that everybody should be on for audiobooks. Like, if you're listening <laughs> at normal speed for audio, like, you're behind the curve at this point. Um. Okay, you talk a big game, but you don't like when I speed it up to 1.5. No, I like 1.5. I don't like higher than 1.5. It took a while to work up to 1.5, though, so... Let's say 1.25 I was more like Yes, <laughs> but you can totally work yourself up to a higher audiobook speed. Just not up to 2.0 because that's getting into Some Alvin. Some people do that. That's getting into Alvin and the Chipmunks territory. Though. Some people do that. I think it. I think if they're, especially if they're reading nonfiction and it's just that they want to take the information in, they can be totally fine with that. But for me, I like audiobooks that make audio part of the experience. So like right now... I've been listening to Becoming by Michelle Obama. That's absolutely an experience. Yeah, She narrates it. I tried to turn it up to 1.5 and it felt too fast for me. And I turned it back down to 1.25. Because you want to actually feel like she's talking to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's basically, it feels like she's coaching me and mentoring me while I'm cooking dinner. (laughs) It's the best. Tell me how to become, Michelle. (laughs) Tell me how to become. Oh, she's telling me. <laughs> it's a really good book. I'm surprised that 60-40 is your ratio. That's pretty high. Well, it, yeah. It would probably be lower if I wasn't working from home right now. Mm-hmm. But especially when you were deployed, I was listening to audiobooks constantly. If I was home or in the car, I was always listening to something. That might not have even been mentally healthy because I think I was just constantly escaping into books, but it's done now. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) 
So speaking of audiobooks, uh, we started listening via Libro FM recently. In episode 16, Chelsea mentioned that one of her reading goals for 2019 is to stop purchasing books on Amazon. I decided that supporting independent bookstores is a goal that I can get on board with, but we realized that this meant canceling our Audible subscription too. You know we love audiobooks for road trip chores or walking penny around the neighborhood, and that's where Libro FM comes in. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick up more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know, the one that Chelsea's avoiding. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And get this, it's the same price as the other company. You know, the one that we canceled. We've made the switch to Libro FM and hope you will too. Go to Libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O F-M, and enter the promo code HRSR or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Okay, this next person asks if we have a goal for the number of hours that we read each day or each week. I don't. I don't know if you do either. Um, It kind of just works out that I'll read probably seven hours a week is about normal. Most of that's on the weekend because I'll put in big chunks of time on the weekends because I'm busy during the week. Yeah, I don't think I track it. I think ultimately I'm a happier person if I can read for at least an hour each day, whether that's in one chunk or spread out. But I know that I read more than that typically. So yeah, I don't track it because I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself. Mm -mm. Um, There are some fun challenges out there, especially if you are in the bookstagram world, like the 24 in 4 challenge where you try and read for 24 hours in four days. That's a lot. It is a lot. That's like six hours a day. No, No, not a fan of that. Couldn't do it. I don't think I could do that for four days, but if I do get a day where I don't have anything else that I need to do and I can really force myself to relax, I probably could read for six hours. Maybe if I split it up with like three hours on a regular book and then three on an audio, I could do it. But I don't sure. think I could read a book for six hours. But that counts. I, I, I'm saying, but yeah. I don't think I could sit down physically and read a physical book for six hours. Yeah, that makes sense. Short answer, we don't have a certain goal for hours read. Do you have a goal for books, like a number of books that you want to read each week or month? No, I, I think maybe two books a month is my norm. And I'm going to have to up that to like three because I've already read three books in January and it was kind of a weird like phenomenon because I usually don't read that much. Um, but I'd say if I can read three books a month is about normal mm-hmm. for what I'm shooting for. You, it's probably like 10. I like when I can read 10 books in a month, but I don't think of the numbers that way. Mm-hmm. I usually have four or five books that I would kind of have an idea I would like to read during a month and I don't necessarily always get to all of them but I don't I don't count like oh I six books for the month I'm done now (laughs) because that's not how it works no (laughs) okay Curtis what are your favorite reading spots around our house so this morning I can kind of run through the gambit so I woke up I was still in bed reading, so that's one. And then 
when it got to be time that I was hungry, I had to go downstairs and make tea and toast. And then I stayed on the daybed downstairs. So that's two. Which serves as our couch. Yeah, because we don't have a couch, but the daybed works. Um, and then there, I've also got a set of leather red chairs that I got from my grandparents that are also in our downstairs living room area. So I'll read on those too if I'm wanting to sit up versus lie down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't really read in my recliner because that's where I watch TV and play PlayStation. Like you'd think that'd be a spot where I read, but it's not. So I'm probably between those three, either in bed, on a day bed, or in one of my leather chairs. And yeah. then at all of those spots, I usually have different books. So like I'll leave books around the house, different ones that I'm reading at a time because I'm usually reading three books at a time. And then depending on if I want to read a certain book, I'll go to where that spot is in the house and start reading. I thought that I would try reading one book at a time and that that would be better for me. And I can't do it anymore. I haven't been able to read one book at a time for probably over a decade. I used to. I, I think since I started listening to audiobooks, that's when I started reading multiple books at a time too. And when I started reading more nonfiction and now I have to be reading multiple books at a time. I usually mm-hmm. have at least three going. There you go. That's me too. And that's how I usually am. It's either a nonfiction and a mystery and a fantasy book. Mm-hmm. And it has to be three separate genres for all of the different ones. Yeah. So then it's kind of a mood reading thing where depending on what I'm feeling like reading, I'll go to a different spot in the house and then that's what I end up picking up. I think that's funny. So do you think, where do you think you read which book? Where do you think you do the most nonfiction reading? Uh, probably on the daybed. That sounds about right. Just based on my visual tracking of you. <laughs> and then you think fiction and like fantasy read better in bed? Yes, probably. Because I can stack a couple of those on the nightstand mm-hmm. and keeping the giant fiction book downstairs on the daybed because then I don't have to hold it, it as I'm lying down. It rests on my knees. <laughs> yeah. So this is all this is all goes into it, people. Like you got to factor in. Like I've got a thousand page Doris Kearns Goodwin book that I have to rest against my legs. So I have to be lying down while I'm reading it. So. But you could read it in bed, but you don't. I feel like if I was reading nonfiction in bed, I would get a little bit sleepy. See, that's why I don't really read on the daybed. So I read in the morning. I've been reading in the armchairs. Mm -hmm. That just feels like the perfect place to sip my tea and read my nonfiction. And it keeps me awake. And then at night, typically I'm reading in bed, usually fiction. So, but I've try sometimes i read on the daybed but pretty rarely and usually i get sleepy so i kind of avoid that spot which helps because that's one of my favorite spots so then we're not fighting for it yeah it's true sometimes we sit on there together though and penny smushes between us which is cute but it's pretty cute (laughs) this is more uh something that you talked about before where does your reading routine change as the seasons change one thing that really changes for me is if the weather's nice and the sun is shining, I really like to read outside. So they're not really your content, but more just location? Content changes for me too. So I think that I probably read more mysteries and thrillers over summer because they're quick, fast-paced, classic beach reads. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them come out over summer because that's what a lot of people like to read on vacation. I think... I'm more inclined 
towards, I mean, I don't know. I do, I like to read a book that takes place in the season that I'm in. That's not even a factor when I'm picking books at all. So that's kind of strange to me, but it it makes a little bit of sense. It doesn't always work, but I I like it when it happens. Mm -hmm. So it's not something I always actively seek out, but I do like if it's winter and it's winter in the book. And so you get that cold atmosphere inside and out, I guess. But the main thing I think that changes for me is I really like to read outside when I can. You're not much of an outdoor reader, though. No. Well, that's because when I was a kid, I had to be forced to play outside when I wanted to read books inside. So those have all kind of been forces combating each other is the outside versus books. Plus, you're so pristine and perfectionist about your books. Yeah, I didn't want them to get... But I have fond memories of taking a blanket or a beach towel out and laying on the grass and reading outside all the time. No chance. Not not at all. I I think I actually get more reading done over summer because I'm outside. I'd argue you get more done during summer because it's the fast-paced nature of the beach read season. That I maybe it's both. But I'm in agreement with you that during summer I read more of those books where it's kind of the fast-paced thriller because that's when they come out yeah. and when authors are publishing those things. Mm-hmm. So other than that, during the normal time, I have such a backlog that I don't really factor in season or how I'm feeling. It's kind of just, mm-hmm. I'm, I know that I want to read this, so I'm grabbing it. Yeah. I mean, I think... So there's, <laughs> there are so many articles out right now, especially because bookstagram is sort of becoming a thing, like its own thing in the internet universe. And so there, I, there were a few articles posted. One of them was in the New York Times, and it's, I don't know if it's really making fun of or criticizing, but talking about how millennials love to take pictures of themselves reading with a cup of tea and that the atmosphere has to be perfect in order for them to read. Mm -hmm. And one, people create that atmosphere so that their pictures look a certain way so that people like the pictures. Two, what's wrong with creating a good atmosphere for reading? There's not. I like to have a cup of tea while I read or a glass of wine. And that probably changes with the seasons to iced tea or rosé versus my dark red wine in the winter and my hot tea, but... (laughs) It's all coming together at this point. Yeah, but I don't know. I think the way that you either cozy up to read a book or go outside and (laughs) strip down, I guess, to sit in the heat, that's seasonal too. And I... Maybe it's just because I'm really sensitive, but I do think that things like that can change your reading experience. I think when you're inclined to maybe be snuggled up and cozied with a mug of tea, the reading could be more deep and focused. But when you're in your swimsuit and you've got a glass of iced tea melting, you need a fast-paced page turner to grab your attention. I don't know. Maybe you should I'm be a writing, believer in the little things. Maybe you should be writing these articles in the New York Times. Maybe I will. <laughs> uh, next one is best tips for avoiding distractions while reading. I don't know. I feel like this is just kind of a mental game you play with yourself. Like I always have my phone with me. It's not something that I put up in a different room because 
I don't really feel the need to. And even when we're reading upstairs in bed, we'll have the TV on with like the fire crackling on YouTube or Netflix. YouTube probably because they can make that go for 10 hours. But I don't know. I, I feel like if you are easily distracted by the screens and the electronics, there's nothing wrong with putting them in a different room or having a complete silence in the space that you're reading i just don't function really well like that like i need a little bit of the background noise or the ambiance of like a fire crackling even if it is on a screen for me to get in the reading mood but if you know that you need to be separated from those devices then it's something you can put in a different room and just go someplace where it's completely quiet and cut off and then you can enjoy some reading time i like to have my phone in a different room it's not necessary for me to focus on a book but I do like it because I think it allows me to be in the moment more. There are also, if you do like background noise, which I like some background noise, but I don't do well with, I don't know. So like there can be a football game on and I can tune in and out of the football game and read my book, or there can be a fireplace on and I can focus. But if it's anything that has a plot or a lot of dialogue, I get really distracted if it's people talking. Mm -hmm. There are some really good playlists on Spotify to set the reading mood, like studying playlists. I think there is like a reading mood playlist. Basically anything to me that doesn't have lyrics is nice to listen to while I'm reading. Mm -hmm. I can link some of those in the show notes that I like. So yeah, it depends what you're distracted by, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen to like the Outlander soundtrack. That's a good one. Um when I was in Afghanistan, like when there's helicopters taking off and stuff like that. And I was trying to read because it kind of just blocked out all that mm-hmm. stuff. But that's a good one because it doesn't have any lyrics except for the theme music, which is a really good theme song. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link those. Okay. This question is mostly directed at you. I'm listening. What are some strategies for tackling huge books, like 500 pages or more? Ooh. Okay. Um, it's really how you want to break it up. Um, I didn't used to be like this where I would just read a certain number of chapters and then be done. Um, but pacing is the important thing. So I kind of talked about this on Instagram when we just finished our, or when I finished our buddy read for this month, uh, the song of Achilles in that sense, when I'm trying to take notes and remember topics uh, to talk about later, I read it in a hundred page increments per sitting so that I know that I'm taking detailed notes. I'm not oversaturating myself with the content and the material. And then I take breaks to read other things or do other things just to make sure that I'm getting everything out of it. So pacing is important. Um, find a chunk of either time or pages or chapters that works for you. And then make sure that you're breaking it up with other things so that you're not overdoing it because then you're going to get bogged down. I think that's why I took so long to read um, Ron Chernow's Washington biography is because I thought I would just sit down and read it all the way through and just not pick up anything else. And I just got to the point where I was reading so much of it that I got oversaturated and needed to read something else for a while, which is why that book took me two years to read. Um, But yeah, I usually read in 100 page chunks so that I can absorb everything. And if that doesn't really line up with chapters, I'm not really concerned about that. Um, but that just is kind of my benchmark. I've seen people literally take like sticky notes and break down a book by date. So they have a certain, 
almost like a book club or something like that where you want to read to this point by this day. Mm-hmm. I think for maybe extrinsically motivated people, that would be really helpful to have that marker. For for me, I, I definitely align with you in having something else to read because like even with Outlander, even though I was super into it, I just needed to get out of it for a while because it was so long so that took me two months to read because i kept reading other things in between there wasn't anything wrong with that that's fine with that i think that that's a healthy way to approach your reading life is uh, i've never seen it really work well for me or you to read one thing at a time and just go straight through it it's i think our like our uh, tastes are so vast that it it would be kind of difficult so Mm A method that I like to do is just to have one book from different subjects, different genres that I'm reading at the same time. And then depending on how I'm feeling, I can pick up something. Yeah. It takes me longer to get through the long books. Like I just started The Bully Pulpit by Doris Kearns Goodwin. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to finish. But, you know, I'm... You're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about enjoying it as you read it. Yep. I like to tackle long books on audio as well. So um, Anna Karenina is one that I listened to, uh, Hamilton, that was a good one on audio, and I've heard that The Count of Monte Cristo is really good on audio, but I don't know if I want to listen to that one or read it. But I've seen people take, um, maybe this was last year, I've, I saw multiple people who wanted to read War and Peace in one year. Mm-hmm. So they read very small chunks every day, maybe it was like a chapter a day or something like that. And they read it across the span of the entire year. Mm-hmm. So that's another couple options that you could do for those huge books that feel like so much to tackle. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's like any other project where you have to break it down into steps. Otherwise, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. We're such problem solvers. We are, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, but that's how we are used to approaching things, is methodically. Mm-hmm. Should we do recommendations of the week? I'm ready. I feel like we should have a recommendations of the week song like we have a bonus episode song recommendations of the week there we go there he is <laughs> your wish is my command do, sweetie do you even remember how it goes do it again recommendations of the week <laughs> i like the vibrato that you put in there at the end <laughs> oh man i'm here to entertain Yes, you are. And speaking of entertainment. Good segue. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine is back, which we both binge watched. Well, you binge watched it when I was gone, and then we binge watched it together. And we were so sad when it was going to get canceled, and then it got saved by NBC. And it's basically the same show, just on a different network. So It's wonderful. I think if you enjoyed... I wouldn't compare it to The Office because I think it's sillier than that in a louder way yes parks and rec is a good comp i'd say if you liked parks and rec it's a perfect segue for a great show Mm -hmm. um mainly because i loved ron swanson and then now i love holt because i feel like they're just dry characters that have that sarcasm in with them so that makes a lot of sense yeah i just love it so much it's hilarious so we'll be watching that as soon as we're done recording this episode. So, True. So, so make with your recommendation of the week so we can laugh. Okay. <laughs> I'll 
try and do this quickly so we can go watch TV. <laughs> As we're just talking about yeah. how to make more time, time for, for reading. reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is another totally binge-worthy series, Dairy Girls, D-E-R-R-Y, Dairy Girls on Netflix. This show is hilarious. So if my endorsement isn't enough, it does have a 98% audience score and a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. It is set in Northern Ireland in the 1990s, and it's about this group of girls going to a private Catholic school and just their mishaps and mistakes. It's so funny. They are such imperfect characters and almost unlikable because they just screw up so much, but you just love them anyway because of the way that they handle it. And it's so funny. Well, I came home on Thursday when you were sick and had been watching it. And I kind of, I just walked in on about the second or third episode and was laughing my butt off. Like there's a, one of the Irish girls has a English cousin that comes to stay with them and they just treat him like absolute crap because it's during the 90s when it's like the the times of trouble in Northern Ireland and they just treat him like crap because he's English and then uh Barristan Selmy from Game of Thrones is the grandfather and he hates his son-in-law I love that that's a fantastic dynamic the Irish sense of humor is very it's like mean but funny (laughs) they're just mean to each other but it, you can tell that that's how they show love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in a really teasing family that that just tickles my funny bone. It was so funny. But there are only eight episodes of the first season. That's what's on Netflix. There is a second season coming up, so you can keep an eye out for that. But um, just since Curtis mentioned it, I do recommend looking up The Troubles, as they call it. It's sort of the backdrop for the show. That's not a main focus, but every now and then British soldiers show up and sort of serve as a peripheral obstacle in Mm -hmm. the show. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is these teenage girls navigating life. I would compare it, I would say it is like Irish freaks and geeks. Kind of makes sense. I see where you're going Very real, real looking, real sounding, real acting kids going through pretty normal everyday circumstances Mm -hmm. to hilarious results. Also liked when one of the girls was distracted by the parade and trying to read Moby Dick. And she's like, I got to figure out what happens to this whale. (laughs) It's just, it is so funny. I I'll go back and watch it again. Cause I think it's the kind of show that has so many funny quips and one-liners that you can miss a lot. But I think you missed the first couple episodes, so maybe we'll even watch those tonight because it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's not normal that we're both enjoying the recommendations of the week, but this is one of them. Yeah, these are these are really recommendations from both of us on both counts. We want to say thank you to everyone for subscribing and sharing He Read, She Read. We love reading your comments, posts, and review each week. Keep sending us questions because those are fun episodes when we feel like we can talk with you and engage. Our buddy read for this month is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. That episode will air January 29th. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference in reaching listeners, and they brighten our day. Connect with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram, we're at He Read, She Read and email us at hereadsheredpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together. Routines together? (laughs) Routines together? 
I just made that a that verb. That wasn't that funny, but... I just made that a verb. <laughs>